Being a professional mathematician. Rosemary Dyson talks about being an applied mathematician. So I'm Rosemary Dyson. I'm a lecturer in the School of Maths at the University of Birmingham. I'm a applied mathematician. Before I came here, I was a postdoctoral research fellow at the University of Nottingham, where I was actually employed by biosciences rather than maths as part of a large interdisciplinary team at their Centre for Plant Integrative Biology. I did that for three and a half years, and before that I came straight back from my PhD, which I did at Oxford, where I was working on industrial fluid mechanics processes sponsored by industry, and before that I was a maths undergraduate also at Oxford, where I did a four-year math degree. So I would describe myself as a mathematician, more accurately than that, I suppose I would describe myself as a very, very, very applied mathematician in that everything I do is motivated by a problem from a different discipline. At the moment, that tends to be biology. I wouldn't describe myself as a mathematical biologist, which is what some people might describe me as, because I think of myself as being more broad than that. I am a mathematical modeller who happens to work on biology currently. But as I've already said, I, my PhD was in industrial fluid mechanics and I wouldn't be averse to going back to that sort of thing either. So I guess I see being an applied mathematician as being somebody who is very outward-facing. Yes, I develop new and interesting mathematics, but everything I'm doing is aiming at answering a question from... I'm going to use biology as my example, so question from biology and in some ways I don't see the distinction between being an applied mathematician and being an interdisciplinary scientist I would definitely describe myself as a scientist I know some other mathematicians wouldn't in a lot of ways what I'm doing is not that different from being I don't know a scientist who works with microscopes they're aiming to answer questions by using their microscope as a tool and along the way they kind of develop new and interesting microscopes and do things differently because they're trying to answer a question that they can't currently answer with what they've got. And what I'm doing is exactly the same, it's just using maths as a tool. So I'm trying to, trying to answer a question, find out that actually the maths that's around doesn't answer the question that I needed to answer, and so I develop new maths in order to answer that question. A lot of the work I did when I was a postdoc working in Nottingham was working on looking at how plant roots grow and specifically the mechanics, so how the how all the forces interact to make these things grow. It turned out that in order to make, look at how a single plant cell grows, you need some really complicated maths. It, it's a bit like blowing up a balloon, how a plant cell grows, except it's not a, a, a sort of elastic balloon, it's a viscous balloon, it's a fluid balloon, but it's not also not that simple because it's it's got funny mechanical properties. And those, how you deal with those funny, funny mechanical properties wasn't in the literature already. It wasn't in the maths literature. So I had to go away and work out how you would deal with that in order to then apply it to looking at how, you, how a plant root grows. And so we can now look at how the, how the plant cell wall, which is what we were modelling, how the different, different bits of that affect how a cell grows. I think in some ways mathematicians differ from other professionals, not at all. You're doing a job. You are using the tools that you have been trained to use 
and applying it to problems. So in that sense, it's exactly the same. In other senses, it's very, very different. And particularly being an academic mathematician, you have a lot of flexibility about what you do. You have nobody telling you which problems you ought to be going away and researching on. And in some ways, that's great, because you have nobody telling you what to do. In other words, that's really hard, because you have nobody telling you what to do. You have to think of it yourself. So I don't, I don't see it as being dramatically different from other professionals, really. A whole selection of things support my professional life. A lot of what I do involves collaboration with colleagues, and those are, these are all people who I've met either through my job or through going to conferences or through going to workshops. And so I know a lot of people who I work with either in Birmingham, within the UK, outside Birmingham, or within the rest of the world. So it's really difficult to communicate with a lot of them. And everything that you're doing depends on being able to communicate with the people you're working with. So I actually use a lot of social networking tools. I use Facebook a lot. It sounds silly, but I use the the instant messenger facility in Facebook or in or other similar instant messenger clients, depending on who I'm talking to, to to actually be able to talk to somebody in real time who I'm working with. So this is either Occasionally it's discussing the details of some math problem that we've been stuck on and somebody's had an idea, and so you get, you get on the computer and you, you go, ah, oh, I've had an idea, and you, you write it, you say what, you, what you're doing. And other times it can be when you're editing papers together. I was doing this yesterday. I was, I'd sent some comments on a paper that I was write, I've been writing with some of my colleagues in Nottingham. I'd sent off the corrections. And so I was doing something else, and at the same time I was having a conversation with my colleague via his messenger client who was saying, right, I don't understand what you mean by this comment. Can you, can you explain it? Can you elaborate it on, on what's going on? So we can then combine sort of that combination of having a, a long, well-thought-out email with an instant, I don't quite get this, really makes that, that collaboration process much, much easier. And I also use Facebook for other silly things, like the other day I was having problems with a, with a geometry question. It was, it was really simple. It, would have, it should have been really easy, but I was just I was having a mental block and I couldn't do it. And of course, on Facebook, a lot of my friends are mathematicians, because in real life, a lot of my friends are mathematicians. So I put a Facebook status up going, ah, I'm stuck, help, does anybody know how to do this? And got people, com- people commenting, going, oh, well, you need to look in this book, or... Haven't you forgotten about this other thing? So it's really useful from that, that sort of thing, which is, some people find a bit odd. There's no point in doing what we do unless we tell other people about it. So dissemination is incredibly important, and I, I personally see it as just... If, you're not, if, if you're, nobody knows about what you're doing, there's no point in doing it. So I, I go to a lot of conferences. I intend to write lots of papers. That doesn't always work. Publishing work, going to conferences, talking to people about what you're doing. Um, at conferences, you'll, you'll give a presentation about what you've been doing, but you'll also talk to a lot of people over coffee, in the pub, whatever, and that, that really helps a lot for getting your work known. So I do a lot of that sort of thing. That tends to be more with, with either within the maths community or within for example, the plant biomechanics community, so I, I know a lot of people in both of those worlds 
who I go who I've met through conferences and I go and talk to. I get advice to go and give seminars and I try and always say yes to that sort of thing. I really enjoy doing it as well, which helps. From a wider maths community point of view, I've I've done things like talking at the um, London Mathematical Society Women in Maths Day, which I think is really important to try and encourage encourage people just to particularly women to stay on in maths. I've done talks at the Institute of Maths and Applications um, Younger Mathematicians Conference, again trying to encourage sort of more junior members of the maths community to stay on. And I think that's that sort of is really important. And I also try and do a lot of outreach stuff so I go into schools and maybe then I'm not talking about explicitly my own research but more my kind of ethos and the, the general ideas of what I'm doing which I think sometimes is actually something that a lot of students would find very interesting but don't really realise there's maths. So I also, I guess this is more disseminating my ethos again, though sometimes it can bring in some things I've been doing in my own researches. I go to a lot of study groups. So this is where you get a group of mathematicians, we gather for a week, and so there would be anything about 40 and 60 or so mathematicians, and then you get a selection of problem presenters. So they run these study groups, they run them in industry, they run them in medicine, and uh, I'm part of the team that runs the plant sciences ones. Um, so you get somebody, an experimental person, come along and bring a problem. And in fact, you probably get four or five of them for, for the whole week. They present problems on the, on the Monday morning. You split off into groups, and everybody then works on the problem that they find interesting for, for a week. And they're fantastically good fun, because you just get to go work on something completely unrelated in potentially, on to what you're doing the rest of the time. But, of course, everybody's bringing along with them their own background, their, their own things that they know about. So you, not only do you learn a lot from everybody else, because they all have different techniques and different expertises that they can tell you about and then apply to these problems, and then there's probably also some sort of other stuff you have to go and work out for yourself or look up in the literature or whatever. But you can also then by talking to these people and going, oh, well, actually, this, this problem is a bit like one that I've already done. And so that also gets your name known, gets your research known to a wider community. I think I've been very lucky in that I haven't had a lot of obstacles to overcome. Yes, I'm female, and, and some people see that as potentially producing extra obstacles that, that maybe aren't there for other people, men, I suppose. <laughs> and I've, I, I guess I've been lucky in that I've had strong female mathematician role models which have meant that I haven't when everybody's been like oh it's really difficult for women to be academic mathematicians I haven't worried about that because I know people who have successfully been a woman been a mathematician done very well had children have a family have a full life so I despite people telling me oh it's really difficult I haven't taken that seriously and I've just gone for it anyway. I've never felt like, like I haven't got a job or a research grant or anything like that because I've been a woman. I've occasionally been patronised by, by people and, and, oh, well, you're just a, just, just a silly little girl, but that happens in general life, doesn't it? That always happens. It's not, I don't, I've never felt it's happened to me more because I'm being an academic mathematician. In fact, I think it probably happens to me less because I'm an academic mathematician. So I think, I think there are problems for women to be academic mathematicians or any kind of academic because of the culture sometimes. 
But I think a much greater problem is that there's a perception that there is a problem. So the, the perception, I think, puts off more people than, than the actual problem, which is something that we need to tackle. And I, I'm, I'm aware how much an influence the role models 10 years, 15 years above me, there's a little group of them, female mathematicians in my area who are doing very well for themselves. And I know that seeing them has made me think, oh, you know what, I definitely can do this. So I try and encourage the people coming up below me that they can do it too. I don't know how, how well I succeed all the time, but I try. In what I do, I see teaching as actually just being exactly the same kind of skills set requirements as what I do for my research. In my research, what I have to do is I have to persuade experimentalists, moment biologists, that they want to work with me. And biologists are often a little bit scared of maths because biology was the science you could do at school where you didn't need any maths. So there's a lot, a lot of fear to overcome often when you're talking to a biologist and you, you want to explain to them what you've done and why it's useful to them. So if I can explain what I've done and why I'm doing it and why it's interesting and, and why they should be interested to a rather scared biologist who hasn't done, any bi- hasn't done any maths since they were 16, I can certainly explain maths to an interested undergraduate. So I, I think it's, they're very similar skills, and I've got to, in order to do one, you've got to be able to do the other. So from that point of view, teaching to me is, is using those skills that I've already got and just using them in a slightly different way. And I certainly take a lot from from the experience of talking to undergraduates, they go, oh, well, that's, a, that's a better way of explaining that. And so I take that back to the biologists and vice versa. So when I was an undergraduate, I was very interested in the maths. I, li- I liked doing the problems. I knew I was an applied mathematician because I liked solving equations and things like that. But I didn't realise until I was a PhD student that actually there was a really interesting bit of maths that nobody had ever ta- taught you or told you anything about, which was mathematical modelling. So when you were an undergraduate, you're told, right, these are the right equations, and this is how you solve them. You're never told how to write down the right equations, why those are the right equations. And, and when I was a PhD student, I suddenly realised that this was a thing, that it mattered about how you wrote down the right equations. They weren't all a foregone conclusion. You had to actually think about it, and you had to sort of really use a lot of, sort of physical insight and intuition about what were the right equations to write down. And I think a lot of potentially very good academic mathematicians get turned off when they're undergraduates because they don't, they don't realise that that's a, that's a skill that you need to have and that that, that skill involves a lot of communication, involves a lot of, a lot of these sort of physical insights. It involves being relatively gregarious, I suppose, because you have to be able to go out and talk to people. And I think we lose a lot of people who could be really great at that, who are, who are good mathematicians, they can solve equations, they can do all that sort of thing, but could be really great modellers because they don't realise that, they, that, they, that that's a thing that they could do. So I try and, within my teaching, make it clear to students that that's a thing, that's a thing that, that they can do that's with a different required skill set. And I've, I've tried to integrate that into my teaching this this last year and it seems to have gone down relatively well so I'm quite happy with that. 
This recording was created for the project Being a Professional Mathematician, supported by the MSOR Network, the Institute of Mathematics and its Applications, and the Universities of Greenwich and Birmingham, as part of the National HE STEM programme. It is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike Licence.